Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the latest Record Celtic podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Andy Bars to discuss all the latest goings on at Parkhead. On the pod today, we review Celtic's comfortable Champions League victory over Alishkert as they got their European qualifying campaign up to the right start. And we're right in the thick of the transfer window now, so we also have another look at potential incomings and departures at Celtic, including the ongoing situation with John McGinn. And with the World Cup coming to a close, we discuss the involvement of Dedrick Boyata and Mikhail Lustig in the latter stages. Uh, so first of all, Andy, a comfortable victory for Celtic over in Armenia the other night. Potentially tricky tie with the, the conditions, the the location. How do you think they handled it? Yeah, it was yeah, a tricky tie on the face of things, but I think they did deal with it very well. Um, I said on the pod a few weeks ago that Celtic should be able to field any starting eleven from their first team squad and be able to get through it. And they ended up going just about full strength, and I think they've got the job done um, at half time. Uh, and it's it's obviously you know like. But these games, these games come along, and it's obviously first competitive action of the season. And it's, everybody says, well, if you if you ignore what's been going on in Russia the past few weeks, that the real football's back. But these games sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the excitement. But a lot of the time in these far flung locations against these sides, it can be a bit of a slog. And it did have a wee bit of the feel of sort of a pre season friendly about it because you can see guys still trying to get up to speed. Um, Maybe not quite at it, but would you say? I mean, surely that's that's job done now, isn't it? Yeah, and it's natural for that excitement to to come back. I mean, plenty of people are club over country, um, and it's it's a great time when the the club football comes back uh, on the scene after a summer break. Um, job done for me. Yep, three um, 0 is is a is a match winning score. Um, clean sheet as well, and three away goals. I think to be honest, the second leg would be the perfect opportunity to give. Some players that maybe need to prove a point or Rogers wants to have another look at and bring them into the fray. Maybe people like Morgan, Christie, Allen, Benue, if he's still hanging around, and give them a wee shot to see what they can they can do in a competitive stage. Yeah, because the likes of Morgan and Kowasi came on uh, the latter stages. Morgan in particular, he looks he looks so so keen every time he gets on the ball to make something happen. Um, what have, you, have you seen any of him in the, the pre-season friendlies or anything at all? Yeah, I saw his goal against Shamrock. Um, and what, what I noticed about Lewis Morgan was actually in the friendlies at the end of the season for Scotland. When he came on, that's where I f- saw the first glimpse of, right, OK, this is what this boy's capable of. And he seems to have carried that on. I've seen nothing but good reviews of Lewis Morgan so far. Um, to be honest, I wasn't expecting him to come in and fight for a place in the first team. I was expecting him to maybe do a bit of a Ryan Christie him for six months and then find himself on loan at another Premiership club but if he keeps impressing this way then you know it's, he's only going to do himself good it reminds me slightly of in the way that Johnny Hayes was at Aberdeen and then ended up getting his move to, to Celtic gets the ball, beats his man, creates chances for others and looks to score goals himself um, he's, he's pacey, he's strong he, I don't think he's the tallest Lewis Morgan but no. he's, he's, he's well. He's clearly well built and he's got uh, good muscles in his legs to carry him forward so Look, it looks like it's been a good signing so far and hopefully it pays off for him. 
Aye, and just looking back to the back to the game, it was a. I think there was a there was a huge hint really from Brendan Rodgers in, in the game against Shamrock Rovers of as to who he was going to go for and what what shape he was going to play. So it's he started off the season with this three five two. Uh, formation and it's obviously you've got the, the three centre backs where Jack Hendry, Christopher Ayer and Joseph Samunovic and then it's that also brings into play the Edward and Dembele partnership. Now they, I thought they were, I mean they, they didn't set the header light as a partnership I thought in that the Alice Kirk game although they did, the two of them I thought played well individually but I think there were, there were definite signs that they were trying to, that when one of them got the ball he was looking for the other, and so what do you do? You think there's, there's there could be potential in that partnership? But you, you going can, forward, you can clearly see they link up well together. The prime example for me of that was Edward's goal at Ibrox last season, where Dembele instinctively knew where to put the ball for Edward to run onto, it and obviously the great finish that resulted from it. I'm still not convinced that Dembele will be a Celtic player at the end of the window. That's why I'm not too sure about this partnership long term. Mm-hmm. Rodgers might like this shape formation and think it works really well for the team. If Dembele does go, can Griffith send slot in alongside Edward as a two? Maybe that's part of his thinking. And um, wants to get um, as much use out of Dembele as he can before he leaves, if that's yep. what's what's on the horizon. Um, I do think that they're two brilliant strikers. Um, at a domestic level, they, they should, it's, it's a walk-up year for them, really. Um, showed that last season, Edward coming on his game as he spent more time with the club Dembele's shown what he can do from day one when he fancies it um, so I think if they're in the mood together they're, they're more than a match for anyone and if Rodgers is looking at pairing them together in Europe then it's, uh, it's a positive move for me because I think at times going forward Celtic can be found uh, wanting, in, wanting in Europe there's there's not enough options for them and you're relying on somebody creating something out of nothing so when you've got two strikers up there that know how to put the ball away it's only beneficial and the the three five two itself I think it's Interesting to to start the season off on this that, with this change of shape. I think I certainly found towards in some games towards the end of last season when Celtic were sticking with the what be, they become known for under Rodgers, the sort of four two three one shape. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it, at times it, it just it didn't seem as fluid. It didn't seem to be working the same way as it had done. Now I don't know if you know the, the changes in personnel enforced with you know people. Away, like you know, don't have Rogic to come into that number ten role. But do you think this is a this is a Rogers just trying to freshen it up a wee bit? Has he maybe looked at that some of those games towards the end of last season and thought it's, it hadn't been working the way it had been? Is it maybe time to freshen it up? Do you think there could yeah, be an element of just that? Just trying to test something new, see yeah. what his options are. Um, there's been movement at the club um, and transfers on the way out, so I think he's he's well within his. Is racing well within his right mind of thinking to, to go and do that, see what his options are, try and freshen things up, keep players on their toes, say, look, this is what I'm going to be doing. Um, if you weren't at it at the end of last season, you need to step up to be able to fit into this new system. If he does fancy keep going with that, then um, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Uh-huh. And it obviously it brings in that three at the back that we saw a bit of last season. Obviously, no Dedrick Bayata, he's still at the World Cup. We'll come to, come to that a wee bit later. Um, so we had Simunovic, Ayer and... Henry weren't overly troubled by Alice Kirk themselves and any anything that they were particularly doing, but there was a couple of weeks of hairy, hairy moments in there. Semyonovic in the first half getting dragged out to the mm-hmm. touch line, um, diving in on his man, and then Henry having a, 
a bit of a moment in the second half where he just completely took his eye off the ball. Is it, if Celtic are going to maybe stick with that three at the back, obviously you've got Bayata to come back in. But do you think they've got the the personnel at the moment to do that long term? Regardless of the shape, Celtic need a, a new centre back. If it's going to be as a as part of three centre halves or two and a flat four, because although I think Celtic have decent ball-playing defenders I, I think they need more composure um, Boyata and Sumanovic have, have got a mistake in them every game or two Hendry's still learning and Ayer although I think he's he's very good at reading the game I think he brings the ball out too often at the wrong times um, and I think Celtic just need a calm head back there just knows how to calm everything down how to lead them through a game um, and if it's, a part of, if it's going to be as part of a three then it'll be helpful to have two either side of that if it's going to be as part of a flat four, then I think it's going to be somebody who needs to go and, you know, kind of grab a defence with the scruff of the neck and lead them through it. Marvin Comper? Who knows? <laughs> who knows about Marvin Comper? Um, it's, he was brought in with a, with a bit of a pedigree, wasn't he? Having played uh-huh. at a really good level. And, God, he's been in hiding. Aye. A couple, a couple of appearances on the Celtic Twitter account, but I think that's uh, <laughs> wishing people well at the World Cup. Yeah, but I think I, Celtic were trolling a wee bit, wishing them a happy birthday the other week. <laughs> Just reminding people yeah. what it looked like, but I mean, in all, in all seriousness, I mean, it looked as if that was the was that maybe the thinking behind that signing that he's got a couple of young centre backs and and Hendry and Ayer and just maybe maybe uncertainty over whether Samunovic or Boyata were going to cut it long term. Was it maybe the thinking to get somebody like that? Well, and it, it's just it must have been because it it didn't go along with Celtic's recent transfer signing policy, did it? I mean, he's in his thirties. Yep. Um, paid money for him um, for, a, for a man of his age rather than bringing somebody in like Ayer or Hendry that they're looking to develop and then sell on so they must have been looking at him to come in and, and embed his place in the team and, and lead the defence from there what's went wrong who knows uh-huh. I mean it's obviously there was the injuries but it just it doesn't seem to be no, but it was, you know is there an underlying I, I, I never heard it about it being an injury that was going to keep him out for uh-huh. five or six uh, months. There, there was, was no, there was yeah. no, there was no like, oh, we've lost him long term. Yeah. It was, oh, he's on his way, he's he had, on his way, yeah. and it's just he had a niggling problem because um, he played against Morton in the in the Scottish Cup and he did fine, um, but he, again wasn't really tested in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after after that, he's just put the invisibility cloak back on, hasn't he? Just disappeared. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll see a bit more of him before the the season gets underway. So Celtic. Barring a complete disaster at Parkhead, should be on their way into the next round where they'll face either Valor or Rosenberg. Now, Valor, the Icelandic outfit, uh, maybe a bit of a surprise result getting a 1-0 against Rosenberg, given their pedigree in Europe. They've always been in about these competitions. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, Celtic know all about Rosenberg from previous years. Is would they, Who do you think they would rather face in the next round? This unknown quantity... Or a side that they kind of know a bit more about? I think Valor would be their preferred choice. Rosenborg, like you said, have got the pedigree. Um, when they went last year, there's a bit of an atmosphere around the stadium. I can I could see why it would be maybe intimidating or maybe a bit hostile for an away team to come and visit. And Celtic did really well to get that one. Great goal from Forrest. Um, I think Celtic would much rather go to Iceland to play Valor. Um, I don't think it would pose the same test. Although they've won the first leg, I would, I would doubt they have players of the same quality um, mm-hmm. as Rosenberg they've, Rosenberg playing a, what I'm willing to bet is a tougher league yep. and they've been there done that before 
Um, Valor, pretty much an unknown quantity to Celtic, but I, I think Celtic would be more than a match for them, um, whereas they would face a tougher game in Rosenberg. Yeah, I suppose as well by the time that fixture comes about, if not to you know not to sound you know any way disrespectful to to Valor at all, but you mentioned the atmosphere in Rosenberg, the fact that they've got a bit of pedigree. It would almost be a similar sort of feel of tie if they played Valor as it is with Alishkert, and that in itself would would that get, give an opportunity to, you know, bed in the likes of Rogic and Lustig and Boyata who are all coming back, yeah. who will need a bit of will need to get a bit up to speed again. Is, it, is there a bit of scope to do that against Valor where you might not get with a team like Rosenberg? Yeah, look, I think Celtic before all the draws are made would want the easiest route possible and to the group stages if that allows them to bring in players that have been away at the World Cup and try more youngsters find what they're capable of then great um, I think Celtic would have no option but to go full strength against Rosenberg um, whereas if they can get the job done in the first leg against Valor I get similar result that they had to against Alishkirt then it allows them in the second leg to, to do that, to, to bring players back into the fold and they give them a chance to get up to, to get up to speed after a wee break. Anyway, off the park, uh, obviously it's still that time of year, transfers dominating uh, the sort of news agenda at the moment. Again, I'm not a, still, we seem to be saying this every week, but there's not a, still not an awful lot to discuss in no. terms of in terms of transfers with Celtic. Obviously, it's hard to know what's going on behind the scenes, but with Again, we keep asking it every week when there's there's nothing, no huge movement either way. Uh, is it time for fans to maybe be a wee bit concerned? I mean, you, there seems to be the general consensus is the earlier you get your business done, the better. The better, yeah. But um, again, we've, we suppose we've got to balance that with the fact that Celtic, they just need kind of embellishments here yeah. and there with the squad. Is it just a case of waiting for the right people? Yeah, I think Celtic just do need to dot the I's and cross the cross the T's um, a defender is an absolute must and I think that's going to be on the mind of a lot of Celtic fans um, although Lustig is impressed at the World Cup which we'll touch on I still think a new right back's needed especially if Celtic are aiming to go a wee bit further in Europe um, the midfield is pretty solid um, and we're set up front with Griffiths, Dembele and Edward who is obviously the, the marquee signing of the summer if John McGinn does come in I'm not sure how he's going to improve the starting 11. I don't think he will, and I think he'll find himself on the sidelines for a wee while. Um, I don't think Celtic need him, um, and I don't think he needs Celtic right now. I think he needs to be playing football. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think, I don't think he'll, he'll get it at Parkhead, to be honest. Well, we had on the back page, exclusively on the back page of Record Sport, this morning that Celtic are prepared to, to wait to sign John McGinn. Uh, to a £2 million bid knockback by Hibs. Now, does that surprise you that they're willing to wait? Do they realise that you know maybe we would like to sign John McGinn, but they realise that it's not a it's not a priority in the way that it would be to sign a centre yeah. back? Celtic don't have a cold red situation in centre mid far from it. Um, John McGinn is pretty well known. He grew up a Celtic fan, and he clearly would love to play for the club. The Hibs are are smart in the boardroom. Um, they they know that if Celtic do really want him, they will up the bid. Um, but Hibbs also need to realise that he can walk in January or sign and sign a pre-contract. Sign a pre-contract yeah. um, if he stays with Hibbs at the moment, it keeps their fans happy in the immediate. 
It mm-hmm. depends if they would prefer to get a transfer fee for him or one last season out of him. Yeah. It'd be an interesting partnership with uh-huh. Stevie Mallon actually. It would. Um, but if Celtic really want John McGinn, they'll they'll pay the money. And I think if they really needed him, they would go out their way to get him. But he's not he's not needed. Yeah, I mean, because you said you jotted down the the full Celtic the yeah. depth that they have in midfield, and you can't we can't work out. No. Who he would who he would replace I mean, immediately? At least you know he could come in and make a huge impact. He could really take his game to the next level. But well, well, on on the surface of it, you know, I mean, you, you, it's impossible to look into the future with injuries, that kind of thing. Somebody might come in from nowhere with a massive bid for Encham on deadline day, you know that kind of thing. But Celtic have a settled two with Browning and Cham, and then if, depending on if it's five midfield or the the two with with wingers, and then an attacking mid sitting in front, Celtic are, are set. Um, Forrest is the, the golden boy outright, isn't he? McGregor and Tom Rogic in the number 10 role and then Sinclair out left um, McGinn in the central areas isn't better than any of the four that Celtic have plus they've got Kouassi, um near Baton when he's fit again mm-hmm. uh, all to come back into the fold so I'm not too sure what options John McGinn would have at Celtic uh, and even as well, just just moving on a slightly, but still kind of focusing on the the midfield. You mentioned the likes of Beton and Kouassi. Now, even even before John McGinn arrives, these are guys who have maybe found themselves a bit further back in the pecking order. There's been no no real movement on people mo- moving away from Parkhead this summer. But see the like the likes of Kouassi. Is that somebody you could see maybe being put out for a loan because he's not he's not. He's obviously regarded very highly. Brendan Rodgers yeah. has spoken highly of him, but he's he's not played an awful lot. Is this a guy who needs to, who now needs to start playing football? I take what managers say in the public aye, with a pinch of salt. <laughs> um, I would very much doubt Rodgers would ever come out and say he doesn't rate Kwasi. Um So I think he'd maybe just protect his player with that one when he gets hit with some awkward questions. Kwasi again, similar boat. To Megan needs to play football. Um, obviously, I've got more invested interest in Megan as a Scottish youngster. But mm-hmm. for Kwasi's sake, it's it's no use to him sitting around sitting around on a bench and waiting for Enchamer Brown to be injured or move on. Um, he's a, he's clearly a good player, good passer of the ball, tenacious, um, gets around the park well. But if he's not forcing his way into the team, he must consider other options if any come come towards him. Rogers is a fan, as he has said, um, but I, I don't know. I don't know how much longer a player of that age can sit around um, waiting for an opportunity. Um, that's, that's such an important part of the young boy's career. He's in the early 20s, isn't he? Yeah, I, I, he is. So, yes, it's a fantastic opportunity to play for Celtic and earning great money, I'm sure. But a football career has to have some longevity about it. Um, if he wants to keep playing at a good level, um, he, has to, he has to prove that he's capable of it. Um, and he's not getting the opportunity to do that at the moment. And as we, as we touched on the it's more at the back that uh, we feel is a priority, but it's not just not just centre back. Do you think we've mentioned that maybe a right back is needed as well as as well as we said that Lustig did at the World Cup as part of that Sweden side? Yeah. Is that still because obviously Gamboa doesn't seem to in Rogers' mind is not the answer? Is that another area that you know Celtic should be looking at? Yep. Yeah, um, although it depends if he sticks with this three at the back, That's um, true. because if he's playing with wing backs, I think that'll be. Forest playing out there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, if Rogers goes back to a four or wants to continue with a four at the back this season, I think, uh, especially for European competition, a, a much 
a much better right back is needed because clubs have spoken in the past that they have targeted that area when playing against Celtic. Um, so that and the new centre back is should be priority number one, uh, I reckon. Also, I think just in case, just in case um, a club does make a, a whopping bid for Tierney, I should be having a left back in their mind to replace him because they're going to have to do well to, in, that, in that respect to, to bring somebody in the same calibre. Yeah, it's quieting down a wee bit over the past week. There was some reports in the English media that, in much the same way, not well, not quite, but similar to the John McGinn situation that obviously has been reported interest from Manchester United. There was reports down south that they're now prepared to wait another year to really firm up their interest mm-hmm. in Tierney. Is that maybe, if there's any substance to that, is that a kind of concession from clubs down south that this is a player who's in no hurry to, to leave, yes. to go anywhere? Yeah, well, I, th- I think, I just mentioned a wee minute ago what players say in public and private can differ, but I do believe that Tierney is a, a satisfied Celtic player despite the, the agent change and stuff. I don't think he's in a rush. I think he just might want to start exploring and weighing up what options might be coming his way over the next couple of years. Yeah. If he does move on, it needs to be to a team where he's guaranteed to start because he's far too good to be sitting on a on a subs bench. Um, I think moving to a team out with the top six in England would do him, would do him good in precisely that sense. Kind of what Andy Robertson did, apply his trade, improve himself in England before one of the big teams really comes calling because although I do think Tierney's worth a lot of money, I, I just in the near future can't see a team from the English Premier League bidding that amount of money for a defender that plays in Scotland. Uh-huh. Do you think Everton would have, would hypothetically be that that ideal club at that level, or is um, it? Yeah, well, with Leighton Baines apparently on his way out, Ev Silva is apparently looking to to replace him, and that opens up that area right for him, doesn't it? But I think a team at an Everton level, um, somebody like Everton, Newcastle. Leicester, Burnley, that kind of area of the league table, um, where he can go down, prove that he can mix it against the big boys week in, week out, and I, I don't think a team would have any qualms about paying 25, 30 million for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you look, you look at Andy Robertson, I mean, people are now talking about him worth 40 million or so, yeah. after a good season in the Champions League and domestically, so I think if Tierney can go down and do exactly what he's done then, yeah, he'll be doing himself uh, really well. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the, this maybe takes it away from Celtic a wee bit, but the, the, is Robertson, the, the level of success he's had has perhaps maybe changed, slightly changed the perception about players from up here, about what they could potentially offer down south. Obviously, to, before there was a bit, there's obviously a lot of kind of, sometimes, I don't know, cynicism, scepticism about the, the quality of players coming down from up here, but has Robertson maybe done a bit to change that perception, which is why... You know, clubs are you know look, looking at figures of twenty five million and that for for the likes of Tierney. Yeah, I, I mean Robertson was was brilliant up here, but big teams in England at that stage aren't looking to bring players from Dundee United to their to their squad to compete for a starting place. When I, when I say big teams, I mean ones that are challenging yeah. to play <laughs> in Europe. Um, so if it's going to be uh, a team like that that's after Tierney, I think he needs to wrap it up in Europe really before before a team comes calling at that level um, we've seen before that teams at a kind of Southampton almost exclusively Southampton teams at that level yeah. um, aren't afraid to buy from up here um, but it's a totally different ball game when it comes to the big boys mm-hmm. and just moving on again we've World Cup, unfortunately, coming to an end. Yeah, uh, it's been great. It is, it's been excellent. It really has been good. Uh, kind of defied a lot of 
early expectations, I think. Um, and obviously quite a successful tournament for the Celtic players involved. Well, mm-hmm. Diedrich Beata especially, but also had Mikkel Lustig quarterfinals yeah. with a very unfancied Sweden yeah. side. But I think I'm pretty sure we, I think it was yourself, before the World Cup said that there was a, the likes of Sweden, a team like that, kind of fancied them to go to go a wee distance. Do you know what I mean? Because they're, they're, a, they're a team that have got an identity. They play a certain way. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what it comes down to the identity and the team spirit and unity that they've got. I, l- I had a look at the. It was it was one of those moments I had where when they beat Switzerland to reach the quarters. I thought, how how can we not do that? Look, <laughs> look at look at the team they've got, and I had a look at the 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 clubs their players play for, and I just thought, yeah, they they just shouldn't be there. But it comes down to players like Lustig who have got that mm-hmm. team spirit behind them and that mentality and togetherness to to stick together. They came through such a tough group and. Lustig did really well in the group stages. Um, he'll, he'll have been disappointed to miss the England game. I don't think he would have made too much of a difference in no. the end. But it would have been a, it would have been a great experience to, to speak of playing in a, in a World Cup quarter-final. Um, Boyata, I think he can be really pleased with himself because I'm sure that he knew he was back up and what his position in the squad was as he went into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Belgium clearly wanted to keep company in cotton wool just for the knockout stages. Um, and they didn't cross that semi-final hurdle but Boyata part of a team um, that kept two clean sheets uh, part of a starting eleven that kept two clean, clean sheets um, and he's played a, an important part in getting them to, to where they got to so I think he can be really chuffed with himself yeah, He looked, looked comfortable mm-hmm. for the most part I thought yeah. and that, I mean obviously it's, it's a quality quality side a couple of moments as you <laughs> often get from him but I thought he'd in, in the main he looked he mm-hmm. looked very comfortable compared to the player that we were talking about at Ibrox in March to really hold, really holding his own, really looking like a decent, really decent level centre back in that side. It's been, a, it's been. A, I think you've got to applaud the, the sort of turnaround in his form. Yeah, I, I've said before. I think that Boyata, when he focuses on defending, is is good. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's when he thinks thinks about what he's trying to do too much and, and overthinks. That's when his problems. That's when his problems arrive. Um, the problem is that. Like uh, the game at Ibrox in March, he's got that in him, and I, I don't know if Celtic going forward can afford to have a defender or their main centre back who has that in them. Mm-hmm. They, they need somebody who's composed and assured of themselves. And although Beata shows it in flashes, it's not constant. So that's why I think Celtic need to to look for a new centre back. Uh-huh. In terms, of, I know we've identified right back as well as an area that uh, needs strengthening, but I think. You, Lustig coming off the back of that World Cup, he took a lot of stick last season at times. I think people were... Um, he's obviously been a great servant to the club, but some of his, I think his performances, particularly in Europe, weren't great. But could this be a, a real boost for him, having gone and played so well at the World Cup, could, or do you think... It could be a boost, but also maybe just Rodgers' Rogers Celtic lineup isn't isn't what suits him because uh-huh. it's a completely different it task yeah. than he has in the Swedish national team um, I think if if he was to play in a Celtic side that was very defensive minded uh, and more of a unit uh, defensively then he, he, would, he would prosper and, and possibly do better but it's going forward realistic I believe laxity. I don't think he's got a decent final delivery I don't think he's pacey enough to get up and down mm-hmm. and I think that he, if he's chasing a winger back the way um, he's not really Got the anticipation or the pace to, to keep up. Yeah. And um, so it's it's maybe better for him where he's he's sticking 
uh, in a flat in a flat floor that is literally a unit and right okay today we're going to be hard to break down yeah. and throw our bodies on the line in front of everything and you might think that is what Celtic should be doing in Europe but it's not they stick to the way that they play um, and it's it's bitten them in the backside a few times so Lustig I think there's a, a decent footballer in there maybe just wrong place wrong time with Rodgers and mm-hmm. um, is it worth even if it, he was brought in he's surely a player that's worth keeping at the club regardless you know, his experience yeah experience and he's clearly well liked mm-hmm. um, you see him popping up on teammates Instagrams all the time yeah. um, his character in the dressing room um, important which is very very important um, especially in Scottish football when you know te- technical side of things isn't focused on as much you need characters and that it's going to mm-hmm. motivate your team um, and I, th- I think that he's been a, a valuable asset to Celtic at times um, I think now is maybe the time amicably to accept that it's coming to an end probably yeah I suppose if, if again we don't know but if this shift towards the three five two is um going to be implemented more often I suppose that diminishes his role yeah. even further doesn't he's, it he's certainly not a right wing back um, mm-hmm. and I would, I would rather see I mean, he's filled in at centre half before but I would rather see Hendry or Ayer play alongside with the two first choice yeah, ones it makes more sense yeah. going forward doesn't yeah. it definitely anyway that's all from us today thanks to Andy for joining me if you want to continue the debate you can find us on Twitter at Record Sport and on Facebook as well We'll be back next week to talk all things Celtic, so don't forget to subscribe on Acast and iTunes to get the pod as soon as it's available, and you can also rate us on there as well. Thanks for listening. Listener.